Good evening. What if they're listening to this in the morning? <laughs> well, it's, it's the power of the internet. We just do both. You can say good morning and I'll say good evening. And, okay. Uh, you uh, get to this whenever you get to it. And, um, you know, well. Okay. So, folks, welcome to our new podcast. Yes. That's and it. Um, it doesn't have a name yet. It's uh, in its birth pangs still. <laughs> it's- It'll have a name soon. It will have a name soon, and yes. we will re-record this. Perhaps we'll we put it out on Twitter. And I, I'm 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 Darren Sundstrom, and my Twitter handle is at Darren Sundstrom. And I'm Allison Innes, and my Twitter handle is at Innes Allison, and that's Allison with one L. Make sure you get that right. Oh yeah, I, right. I, I, I screw that up. She that other girl gets lots of my messages. <laughs> so um, we have. Uh, spent quite a long time and significant portion of our lives thinking, writing, um, being academics about uh, mythology. And as academics, we like to talk and our students get tired of us talking at them. So we figured we would talk at you and uh, see if there's any of you out there interested in we what we have to say. We want to expand our audience. Yeah, expand yeah. our audience yeah. and uh, talk, right? That's right. what we like to do. So um, what are we going to be talking about today, Darren? Uh, well, we're going to be talking about um, uh, female hero by the name of Medea, in case you haven't heard about her before. Oh, she's my favorite, yeah. You know, she appears in Euripides' uh, play. Um, uh, and what's that play called? It's actually called the Medea, surprisingly. Okay, um, I'll try so to remember that's that. That's probably a pretty good clue to uh, signal to its audience just really what it's about. But uh, you know, like I know, that they weren't actually titled. So, you know, that's more of a modern convention, something that we get in translation, because we do have to put words on the outside of the books that signal to the people that buy the books or want to read them what's inside them, right? So we kind of need that, right? Instead yeah. of just saying, play, <laughs> Athenian 5th century, right? Okay, so you just said Athenian 5th century BC. So can you give us a little bit of historical context of well, what this, you're what asking this play the, is? You're, you're asking a lot of me tonight. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're just seeing if you're on your toes. Yeah, well, you know, it, <clears throat> we know a little bit about it. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit about it. Yeah, um, the historical context is uh, during the Peloponnesian War, uh, just before the Peloponnesian War, if I'm not mistaken. I, I I think it's 409 BC, but I I probably just made that up. But um, and we're good at making things. Uh, up. Yeah, we're gonna we have to make up a few things on occasion, otherwise, you know, we you know, we'd have nothing to speak about. But uh, so. Again, it's a Euripides play. If I'm not mistaken, it's his first play. He doesn't have many that survive. Uh, and it's a story about uh, Jason and, of course, Medea and uh, where they find themselves as exiles in the city of Corinth. And I think that everybody, to some degree, wouldn't you say, knows a little bit about Medea as a mythological character? Yeah, I think if people know anything about her, it's usually that she killed her kids. Right. Um, and that, of course, was a new twist to the myth that, that Euripides uh, put in there. Yeah. Now, just um, a little bit more about about Athenian plays there. Now, they were usually f- uh, performed as part of a series, right? Like, yeah. As it's part a... of a three? Do, do we know what other ones Medea was performed with, or is that lost in the, in the mists of time? Well... Well, okay, so there's a tetralogy. Usually they appear in threes along with the Seder plays, so you're in for three plays and then a Seder play at the end. So three tragedies. Yeah, three tragedies and then a little sort of uh, more comic relief kind of uh, material at the end that though still has a theme. Um, What are the other ones in that segment? I don't believe we really know what they are. 
right? Considering the sort of Spartan, oh, there's a word that's in there, so, you know, evidence that we have around these, these particular things, I don't think we really know. So we have to study it in isolation. Okay. Right? Um, it is going to exist on its own. And, but that's something that we kind of get used to as classicists because we don't often get a chance to read them all as one big giant package and we have to see them as, you know, thirds in that case, right? And then each one is sort of analyzed in, uh, in its own context, in its own juice, so to say, right? It's kind of like Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, Right? You don't just get to sit down and watch six hours worth of movies and comment on the scope of the entire thing. You really only get one, then the second one. I think there might be people one. out there who do sit down and watch all six hours. Of well, yeah, maybe so they do, but like... you know, back in the day you couldn't <laughs> because they hadn't filmed it yet. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right? So, you know, you go and you watch one and then, you know, and then if, if you're lucky, a few months later, another one, or maybe a year later, another one, right? So... Often that's the sometimes the things that we find when we read these plays. But anyways, that's a, it's a minor minor province. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so we're dealing with Medea, as I mentioned. She's she's one of my favorite uh, characters from mythology, and I mine too. Misunderstood and much maligned. Yeah. yeah. Very much, very much, yeah. much maligned. Um, is that a saying? Much, much, much. Much, maligned? very too much. <laughs> much, much. Um, yeah, she gets yeah. a bad rap because of this twist that Euripides has given her. So some people write her off as a witch and. Even in ancient times, there were, uh, so in Roman times, the Seneca's portrayal of her is much more about that witchy Medea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she gets written off uh, as as some kind of monster that kills her children. But when we have a closer look at the play, we realize she's very complex and she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not easy for her to do some of the things that she does, such as killing her children, but she's got a purpose and yeah. she's got a goal. Um, so a popular figure though, right? Because although we are looking at just her and Euripides play, she's a figure in myth that makes many appearances in many other sources. Right? Yes, so definitely. It's not just like a one-off where you, you know, it's just like, oh, this one particular character is interesting. Let's talk about it for a little bit. And then her, her sort of fate and destiny is denied or left behind. This is something that successive, and I'm going to say poets and I'm going to say authors, uh, use her as a um, a form, right, to yes. address certain, you know, things that they want to get at. Yes. Yeah. So we know that she uh, shows up, obviously, in Apollonius's um, Argonautica. Yeah, great. In the great. Hellenistic, and yeah. we'll, we'll get great to that book. some episode. Yeah. Fantastic. And I can say um, book comfortably for the first time. Yes, and Seneca's Medea, mm-hmm. of course. Um, she also shows up in Ovid's Heroides. Yes. And she... And, and in the Metamorphosis. Yes, and the Metamorphosis. And, and of there's course, Euripides. Yes, yes. Oh, I was just taking that for oh, granted that okay. we already knew that one. Right. Um, and then there's mentions of her here and there. Um, I remember when we were translating Propertius that um, yes. there's some mentions of her in there as well. So, yeah, so she's definitely a figure that so gets she, trotted out time and again absolutely. throughout the ancient world. Yeah, a sort of a transcultural figure, a transmythological figure, one that is both used by both Greeks and Romans, right? Yeah. So we primarily deal with Greek primary sources. Yes. So you know, often we don't really get a chance to get to those those Roman authors, which is a which is a terrible shame. Uh, but uh, yeah, I know. I just when you when you consider that um, she is a is a figure that has much to say to many different people and many different cultures at many different times. Yeah. So with that kind of uh, setup here, we'll 
we'll talk a little bit more about the play um, specifically. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, you should rush out and buy a copy and read it. Um, it's a Greek play. They, they don't take too long to read. Um, this one's only 1,500 lines. Yeah, so it's not, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, so our general gist of the play would be that, uh, this is all after the, the Argonautica and everything, uh, Medea has uh, married Jason. They live in Corinth. They've got a couple of children, and uh, Jason has decided that he should marry the Corinthian princess. And in his own way, he thinks that this that Medea will see the logical reasons and how this is going to be such a benefit to Medea and the children. And she, of course, can see that it's not going to be. And uh, that's where our play opens, where we've got this uh, this event happening. And then over the course of the play, Medea works out her plan, both for her escape and in a bizarre sort of sense, I suppose, a rescuing of the children or a protection of the children through through killing them and um, revenge on Jason as well. So it's all masterfully rolled up into kind of one, one yeah, big ball. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, we say all that stuff because we have the sort of foresight of the end of it. But, you know, at the beginning, the audience that were watching it didn't really know what they were in for. And if Euripides was anything, he was someone who could keep you guessing. So when you, you know, you got to a tragic dramatic performance in Athens and you watched a little bit of Euripides' play, and right away you might feel comfortable that you're in for something because you know who these characters are in a way, but uh, don't um, expect too much because uh, you're going to be um, uh, thrilled and, and shocked. And this, this, this play is filled with sort of a, a proleptic kind of anticipation. It's in the basis of an anticipatory nuptial, that there's a wedding coming, like Allison was talking about. And, you know, you just sort of think, hey, everything's going to be fine. Jason's going to get hitched up to this new lady, and Medea uh, is going to uh, either uh, like it or lump it, you know, to be crude. And then um, we're going to see what happens, because we want to see what happens with Jason, because everybody knows Jason is the most popular hero at the time, right? So if you're going to see this play, you're really... You're, you know, you're waiting for the cue, and, and the cue is, oh, look, it's, it's about Jason, right? But then Medea's the first person to talk in the prologue. Yeah. Right? So you're yeah. in for something. Yeah, yeah. and uh, one of the things that I, that I like about studying study Medea in general, and particularly in, in Euripides, uh, is, is the whole gender play. At, yeah. Um, the way that he presents and uh, presents the aspects of of gender um, in Athenian society and some of the the challenges to it. And the audience going to see this play for the first time would have no idea that Euripides was going to have Medea kill off the children. Like, that was brand new to him. And so that... Or even that she had the majority of the speaking lines. Yeah, and so that would be quite shocking and quite unusual. And if I recall correctly, I think the general reception of the play was a little less than... Oh, it it freaked people people, out. People were not thrilled that... Yeah, uh, no, it freaked them out. I could get crude and use some, you know, some crude language to describe the effect on the audience, but... They just lost their blank, you know. Yeah. They didn't know what to think. Yeah. You know, um, there's, there's, um, there are uh, sort of stories about the reception on the audience. And this goes into the argument, argument about whether or not women attended the tragic dramatic performances and so on. But even if these are apocryphal, they're old enough to, to tell you that something is uh, something's going on that you saw yeah. unexpected. Yeah, the audience about, really wasn't comfortable with well, the idea of this of this female the character. The men, can you imagine? Yeah. Right? And then not only that, if the women were there, and this apocryphal story, which I think comes from a Roman source, that said that 
the pregnant women in attendance. Did you hear this? Yes. They spontaneously yes. aborted their babies. Yeah, because right. they yeah. were so horrified yeah, and so shocked like, by it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, if, if even if, if I don't believe that's true, but it's it comes from an ancient source, a fairly ancient source, closer to it in time than we are. So. It still tells you about the power or the impact of it, right? For sure, yeah. and, or or that people thought that this was a, like that, that people thought that this was a plausible thing to have happened. Yeah, certainly exactly. says something about yeah about their their perceptions yeah. of of Medea. Yeah, and and she's still held up as that horrifying figure today. Um, whenever oh, you this... see something, well, no, I shouldn't say whenever, but often when you see something in the news yeah. about a mother who's killed who's killed her children because it happens. Yeah. Um, and this gets into the whole myth of motherhood, which we won't get into um, today. But, um, you know, she gets likened to a modern-day Medea or something like that. Right. They and even call it still, Medea complex. Yeah. So yeah. there's still that that um, that discomfort with women who are um, supposed to have this uh, nurturing, yeah. mothering role not being the complacent, nurturing mother figures. Yeah, and 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 the and the and the impact of of this action in the play is something that resonates even today, and that and that's exactly what you're what you're what you're speaking about. And, and if it did not, then we would not be speaking about it. It's just it's 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 as uh, common as uh, uh, as far as a mythological resonance is concerned with uh, people that know about Oedipus, for example, but because they know about the psychological, or he the slept Freudian, with his mother. yeah, right, the Freudian Oedipal complex, right, or the Medea complex. These are all things that come out of psychoanalytics or psychology or, or, or Freudian terminology, and they still exist today. And they're and for right or wrong, uh, they they have um, uh, well, you know, they persist, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? So um, you know, that's something that we deal with, and you can't escape that, you know. When you talk to people about Medea, it's one of the few things that they know, or if, if they've ever read it, and and even if they don't, this is what they know, and it's the it's the largest hurdle to understanding, and it's the largest hurdle to to getting at getting close to what this character is about, and in in our study of heroics, and our study specifically of the ancient hero, and and its tie and his and her tie to more traditional or popular notions of a hero, just to see see the evolution of this concept. This this is a challenge because of, of this concept of, of the moral center, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 hard uh, for people to even think of Medea as a hero because there is that revulsion, and people just get hung up on the killing of the children, yeah. um, and miss a lot of the complexities of her character. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we get into the play a little bit at this sure. point? Um, so yeah, that sounds like a plan. So in this passage, Euripides, uh, very early on in the play, Medea comes out uh, to her house and encounters Jason for the first time, and the two of them have a little bit of a dialogue, a little bit of a debate about their um, roles in each other's lives and their fate and their destiny. And so we're going to hear the reading, and then we're going to have a little bit of a discussion about some of the things that um, appear in the reading. Euripides, Medea, lines 476 to 492. I rescued you, as the Greeks know who were your shipmates long ago aboard the Argo, when you were sent to master the monstrous bulls with yokes and sow the furrow with seeds of death. The serpent who never slept, his twisted coils protecting the golden fleece, I was the one who killed it and held out to you a beacon of safety. I betrayed both my father and my house and went with you to Peleus's land, Iolcus, 
showing in that more eagerness than sense. I murdered Peleus by the most painful of deaths, at the hands of his own daughters, and I destroyed his whole house. And in return for this, you foulest of men, you betrayed us and took a new wife, even though you have children. But now the trust of oaths is gone. All right. So probably the easiest way then to tackle this is just to go through the go through the passage uh, line by line. Yeah. Four seventy six to four ninety. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. So um, she says, "I'll begin at the beginning. I rescued you." So here she's talking about her experience with Jason and his help in the Argo. So do you want to set this up for us a little bit? Well, yeah, it's great. It's a it's a good place to start actually because. You know, we have read a number of Euripides' plays, right? And, you know, whether by, you know, blind luck or uh, divine providence, we, we have read also um, Euripides' Heracles, right? Mm -hmm. And the prologue, and, and we're in the prologue country here uh, in 480, uh, line 475 or so, the beginning of the play. But in Euripides' Heracles, that beginning scene, do you remember, it was, it was Megara, Right, and Amphitryon and the children mm -hmm. of Heracles clinging to the altar of Zeus Soter, right, the rescuer. So, um, uh, uh, waiting, you know, for the hero to come, right? Uh, waiting for Heracles to return, or waiting for Zeus to manifest himself, or whatever, right? We don't know. And, uh, and uh, so, when you see that Soter, you see rescue, right? So Euripides is using that same language again, where it says, "I rescued you as the Greeks, as the Greeks know who were your shipmates long ago aboard the Argo." So there's this idea of rescuing, the idea of a savior, right? And and Medea is presenting herself as the rescuer of Jason, but you you could very easily say too that she she's also in some way asking to be rescued. Oh, really? Okay, so what, what is she wanting to be rescued from then? Well, this predicament that she finds herself in, right? She said she's, she's having a terrible go of things at the beginning of the play, right? You really do have to feel sorry for her. Yeah, I mean, like here she's, she's, she's not a Greek. Sick, you know? She's, she's not a Greek. She's, she's yeah. a foreigner. She's been plunked down in Corinth, and now the Greek, her Greek husband yeah. is divorcing her, or, or effectively leaving her yeah. to marry a princess, to marry up, Yeah, and doesn't really seem to be thinking about the consequences for her and the children. He's, we really get a sense in this oh, play yeah. that Jason's really just out for himself. Yeah. And we can't fault Medea for being out for herself either then. No, no, she, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's got a very sort of Brady Bunch naive uh, perception of how things are, are going to occur. And, you know, human lives are more, more complicated than that. And, and I think Euripides uh, is a, a master at understanding that. Not only is he a master at characterization and writing really excellent, compelling plays with, you know, uh, great little plot twists. And he utilizes his marginal characters, right? So there's, so we could expect that Medea might be a major character in the play. And as soon as it opens, we know with the prologue, she delivers the primary dialogue. The nurse does, but... The nurse really tells us about what the terrible, terrible state that Medea finds herself in, right? She's conflicted yeah. and she's crying and she's not eating and she's she's glowering at the children with like thundercaps in her eyes and all this type of language, right? It sets up this sort of sense of dread and foreboding and menace, right? And so, so I, I just, when that when you see that very first line, when, when now that she's confronting Jason about what they've done, it immediately pulls us back into the past, right? It pulls us back into what, the... 
the the adventures, the adventures back of when, the Golden back Fleece. Of, yeah. Yeah. So for those of you of uh, our audience who aren't uh, as familiar with that myth, she references monstrous bulls and a serpent who never sleeps. Um, can you give us a little bit of specifics yeah. about kind of what's what's the gist of the story there? Well, you know, just generally speaking, we all expect our heroes to, you know. Uh, overcome dragons and, and kill monsters and, you know, take us on fantastical journeys. And those those sections there reference episodes in Apollonius Rhodius' Argonautica. But, uh, you know, this is this, that play occurs much, much later during the Hellenistic, and, and this is this is during the time of the Peloponnesian War. But the... the it's standard the, parts of the myth. It is. That it's it's re- the that standard it's myth, yeah. right? That it's like it's not written in any one book anywhere, but it's the idea of the Argonaut, uh, of the Argo and the Argonautica. And right? the audience listening they would know to that. The, or watching this play would know that yeah. she was involved in. So, yeah. so the general gist of it sure. is yeah. that when Jason was sent to get the Golden Fleece, he had to overcome a variety of challenges, yes. including including monsters. And yeah. at the very end, the Golden Fleece is hanging in a tree, which is guarded by this serpent. And Medea uses her skills mm-hmm. to either kill or put the serpent to sleep, depending what version you're reading, yeah. um, so that Jason can get the Golden Fleece. So she's really reminding him here that you you did all this heroic stuff, but it was really me. Like, you would not have been able to have done any of it without me. Yes, yes. Now, now she says that she betrays both her father and her house. Um, so how does she, again, for those who aren't familiar with, with the story, how does she betray her family? Well, she's a woman alone, right? She, she, throw, she decides to support Jason. She decides to support Jason as the leader of the Argonauts and in making that choice, right? And you can debate whether or not she was, you know, influenced by Aphrodite or not. And and you can read Apollonius's play, uh, his novel, uh, and, um, uh, you know, talk about that. But she made a choice to join Jason. And as a result of that, she has turned her back on her father, right? Aetes. Because he didn't like Jason. No, so much, he, was it? no, he's he he uh, he didn't like them. These guys, they show up out of nowhere and they say, "Hey, we, we're Greeks and we want this thing." And and he was plotting to kill them. All these challenges, right, are all basically attempts on Jason's life that he was expected to fail and die horribly. But uh, um, due to the support of Medea, they succeeded, right? And you can see. Um, you know the all the episodes that would become familiar from the standard myth uh, of the serpent that never sleeps and the monstrous bulls. Um, and this one doesn't mention the sown men, right? Yeah, oh, with oh yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah with yokes of the sur- uh, with, uh, and, with and so, the furrow with seeds, seeds of, of death, death, right? Yeah. yeah. So you know you put the serpent's teeth in, and the armed men rise up. Um, yeah. And Medea um, gave Jason the kind of the the trick to defeating these armed yeah. men that that sprang from from the ground. She's the agent of his success and you can you can look at the details of that, right? How yeah. that works out. So and then um she murdered Peleus by the most painful of deaths and this is again is one of the one of the tripping points that I find people have with Medea back to this idea of a hero that murders in, in general but specifically um a female hero who is murdering. And um here this is after um, she's returned to Jason's house with him. 
Um, so Medea is up is from Colchis, way up in the Black Sea. Kind of on, for as far as the Greeks are concerned, she's from the fringes of of civilization. She's yeah. kind of in some kind of magical hinterland sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so she returns to Iolcus <clears throat> with 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 Jason and and the Fleece, um, and she uh, convinces uh, by using her her magical skills. She convinces uh, Jason's sisters that. If they chop up their father and put him in a pot, um, she can rejuvenate him. Um, and so they do that, but she doesn't, um, it, well, it doesn't work. For one, no. <laughs> for one the, reason or another, it doesn't work this time. Yeah, the daughters and, of Peleus are duped into killing their own father. Exactly. Yeah. And um, now I think, if I recall correctly, the gist behind that, too, is that Medea is looking out for Jason getting the getting the crown, right? Because oh, yeah. Julius wouldn't give it up to Jason, even no. though he had come back with the Golden Fleece. Yes, absolutely. So, he, he, he returned from the impossible task. And then as a result of his success, no, no small <laughs> degree to Medea's involvement, Peleus is forced to, uh, you know, he's presented with this question, what do I do now, right? Like I sent the guy out there to fail and die. And he didn't and, die. And he didn't die. And he comes back successful. So now... I got this guy who I promised the kingdom to, if he if he brought this thing to me, the family heirloom, the golden fleece, right? That I would give him the throne, and 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 he doesn't, right? So yeah. Jason basically turns to Medea and says, "Well, honey, what do we do now?" <laughs> and right? so Medea um, very helpfully offs him yeah. through through her her magic um, slash trickery. And I'll oh, just mention here that her honey. association with with magic yeah. in mythological terms, she's a granddaughter of Helios the Sun. Yeah. Um, she's related to Circe, who you may who you may be familiar with from, from the Odyssey. Yeah. Um, so she's she's got this kind of divine connection and she's got these um, these powers that your average run of the mill um, woman might oh, not yeah, have. She, yeah, she's just not, you know, some gal from Thorold. She she's she's <laughs> you know, she's a little bit different, right? Yeah. And she's and you know what the funny thing was too, I had read somewhere that someone had said that Medea was the first witch of classical mythology and that Circe was the second witch of classical mythology. I might have inverted those, but I kind of look like it the, that way because it's, it tells you of her sort of preeminence in in thought mm. of being associated with witchcraft and, you know, black magic and all that stuff, even over Circe, although Circe is the aunt, right, and, and, and uh, the sister of Aetes and probably uh, more powerful right uh just because of the bloodline connection but medea is still so popular right that she's, she's really rooted in yeah the, she in really takes memories. over you know she yeah. sort of takes over that yeah that idea so we we, we we could definitely see that but she does assist jason in this particular episode and jason you know and, and the part i find tragic about that is that jason um asks for help but he doesn't qualify what that help is so Medea, knowing what she is and, and the way that she thinks, she goes ahead and concocts this plan. He's got to know that that's what the plan was. That I don't what... believe so. No, no, I don't. No, I don't because it has terrible repercussions that forces them out of the, his his homeland. Right? Um, yeah, because because on account of this murder, Jason doesn't. It doesn't work. Jason doesn't get the throne. They're forced out, yeah. and um, and that's when they come to Corinth. Yeah, that's where we find ourselves Corinth, in the play. Um, in the play. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I think is important to emphasize here is that Medea has nowhere to go. And I think she's reminding us of this. She cannot go to her 
uh, her father-in-law's house because she's burned out the welcome mat there. Yeah. Um, and she cannot go back to her father's house. And one of the things to bear in mind in terms of gender uh, in the ancient world is that a woman, um, a woman needed to have a man, either her father or her husband, um, to yeah, take her proper role in society. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think in this, um, I think she's reminding us of what she did for Jason. And so her, uh, her heroic acts, but I think she's also reminding us that she's done all, she has sacrificed everything. She has nowhere to go. She's burned every bridge. Yeah. And Jason is that last bridge and he's, I don't know, he's off hooking up with the princess. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so that's what she says. Uh, she says, and in return for this, you foulest of men, you betrayed us and took a new wife, even though you have children. Were you childless, one might forgive your passion, um, but... Mm-hmm. But now but the not, trust of oaths is yeah. gone. And that's a cool, that's a cool section because, the, you know, in one, it demonstrates to the audience that Medea understands what the power of the oath is, which is important to sig- as an important signifier for heroics. Because women aren't primarily you know, associated with having knowledge of what the oath is, right? Um, and here she evokes it. She, um, uh, you know, not only does she call upon it, but she trusts in it, in its, in its, um, in its power. And I, and I think, uh, it's important to remember too, that, um, today, like we don't take the idea of oaths very seriously. Like it's just yeah. kind of like whatever. Um, but in the ancient world where you're dealing with a predominantly oral culture, where there's not like written contracts and that kind of thing, that the oath is a very powerful, um, divinely sanctioned yeah. activity. And so to break an oath is really to go against deal. the gods. And it's a really big deal. Yeah. Um, and it's not just any of the gods. It's Zeus, who's like the most important of the, of the gods, who's in charge of, of oaths and, and oath making. Yeah, in, in, the, in, the, um, in the sort of the trinity or the divine wheel of uh, ancient justice, there are really only three parts. You have the martyr, which is the witness. Then you have the oath. And then you have the ordeal or the trial. And, and, and those are all things that the heroes are associated with. And they have knowledge of. And then call upon for, uh, the, you know, either their defense uh, or, um, uh, yeah, or, or the persecution of others. But um, Medea definitely understands the oath, right? Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no problem there. And even at that later section, when you open with the idea of Soter or... Um, rescuer at the beginning and then later on in 45 where she says and in return for this right like this is also a very sort of heroic kind of idea like that it goes you know in the roman phrase do what days right you do for me so that i may do for you Mm -hmm. right um you get the sort of notion of reciprocity in there again you could say it's a husband wife thing and it's something that normal people would do but you can't take those type of um you can't go with those sort of things uh you know, as readily as you can today. And I just think it sort of demonstrates the idea that Medea's like, I've done all this for you and I rescued you then. And now, you know, um, you know, you do this to me, right? And in return for all this, right, you not only betray me, but you will not rescue me, right? You do not consider yeah. me. You won't consider me. Right? Yeah. And to, so... To get her out of where she's in, right? The situation that <laughs> she's in, as, as we've mentioned, is that she has nowhere to go. Um... The children technically belong to Jason under under Greek law, uh, Greek law, I believe, right? Yeah. So she doesn't even get to keep the children, um, her own children. But she's she also just looking forward in the play. She does come to recognize that 
um, if she leaves Corinth, which she's going to have to do because um, the uh, king... Creon. Creon, thank you. <laughs> Creon um, makes that clear to her that she has one day to clear out. And uh, so she's gonna, she has to leave Corinth. She poses a potential threat. Everybody's yeah. kind of scared of her. But if she leaves Corinth, the, her children... Her children have no friends um, because they will be seen as competition to any children that Jason has with his new wife yeah. for the throne, right? And in earlier versions of the myth, it was actually the Corinthians that killed the children um, rather than Medea. So uh, what Euripides does is as part of Medea's anger and desire for revenge um, on Jason is he has her kill the children. But it's also... Um, a sort of mercy killing because she knows that they are not safe and they cannot come with her. Yeah, and she cannot leave them. Yeah, it's it's a sticky point. Like there's a lot there's a lot going on there about things that we don't really know. But uh, you know, we do know what is dealt with in the play, and yeah. that is she is responsible for their deaths. Jason, of course, regrets it, uh, but Medea says that this must be done. Right, and she vacillates a little bit as she kind of contemplates what she has to do, uh, but then she does steel herself to the act, and it's and it's the ultimate sort of weapon to use against a father in this time. Right? Yeah, and some people want to see Medea as mad or insane, but she really isn't. It's very calculated, yeah. and and I wouldn't even say it's coldly calculating because she does show a lot of emotion in the play. You really do get a sense that this is not something that. She is done is, robotically. No, yeah, and it's right. not done easily. Right. Um, but she wants to utterly destroy Jason. Yeah. And the best revenge um, on him is not to kill him because then it's just over. Yeah. But he, she. You always damage almost, the family like yeah, the gods do. And it's almost systematic that yeah. she goes about and she wipes out. So she uh, uses her magic and the children yeah. um, to kill the princess and. Um, unplanned, but probably a bonus um, for her from her perspective. She also kills the king in that. Yeah, and then she kills the children. And Good so time. Jason has, so he's left there in, and then she takes off. And Jason's left there in Corinth with absolutely nothing and no one. Yeah, and and as we've said it already, it's he doesn't even have a family back home that he can go to because he's killed. Uh, she's. You know, the Peleus has been killed and the yeah, family's that's been estranged. That's his up evil there. uncle. And yeah. He's so, not going back there. Yeah. So um, he has to live the rest of his days um, with this. <laughs> yeah. And we know from mythology, not from Euripides' play, but from uh, Well, from Medea mythology. does. We do know from Medea. Because oh, yeah? right at the very end, Medea has a sort of divine-like capacity to prophesy Jason's death. Right? Oh, that's right, yes. So we're, we're looking at her sort of rising through the play and becoming more of a divine figure and right at the very end you know she's on her supernatural chariot driven by these serpent-like dragons right yeah. and, and and she's sort of yelling down at jason you know and she's taking away the bodies and denying him the privilege of even burying his own children and and she prophesies to him that he'll meet his death as a as an old man you know sitting underneath the prow of the argo on a beach as it rots away talking about his you know, great adventures in the good old days when he was young, right? And and that the prow will fall on his head, right? Yeah, and I you, found it here. You got it yeah. in there. You can... So, um, line thirteen eighty six. Um, actually, I'm going to back up and just kind of read. It's it's a short little speech. I'll just read the whole thing here. Okay. Um, 
Who's speaking? No, and Medea is speaking okay. to Jason, and this is right at the very end of the play. Yeah. No, indeed, my hand will bury them. Jason's not going to get to touch the kids. Yeah, the and bringing them to Hera's shrine on the cliff, so none of my enemies will insult them by pulling down their tombs. In this country of Sisyphus, we shall assign a sacred feast and rituals as a memorial of this impious murder forever after. So the children are going to receive honors in death. Um, yeah. I myself am going to Erechtheus's country, which is Athens. So she says that Athens to live with Aegeus, son of Pandion. Since you are base, your death will be fittingly me. You'll be struck on the head by a piece of your ship Argo, a better termination to your marriage with me. Yeah. So uh, Jason, far from having a heroic, a big heroic blast of glory in his life, he just yeah. kind of withers away. And yeah. he's, He's not with a bang, but with a whimper. Exactly, mm-hmm. and he he's been effectively this homer guy living in this homeless guy living in this hollowed out wreck of his ship. Yeah, sitting on the beach, and know? it collapses on top of him. Yeah. So yeah. he doesn't get the chaos and the glory that somebody like Heracles does, right? Her- no, Heracles literally goes out in the place of glory. Yeah, um, but Jason just sort of fades away. You know, is it better yeah. to burn out or is it better to fade away? You know, Medea, and then Medea. And this is another thing, too. You know, then Medea gets away. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. everyone's like, well... Where's the where, justice? Where is the justice? Where is, you know, the convenient denouement, the tying up, right, that should come at the very end of all my little happy little stories that um, I have come to understand? But Euripides is not going to play your game because he's, you know, not that type of guy. And it's a tragedy, Right? It, yeah. And it's a very it's a very different one. And it's supposed to leave you with well, I don't know, what does it make you feel? How does it make you feel? What do you, what does it leave you with? Um, I'm kind of happy for Medea, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <You> would be. <laughs> I would be, wouldn't I? You would be. Um, no, because because Medea has taken a situation that she has she cannot act like a hero like Heracles and she recognizes this early on she can't go in with a sword and swing a sword around and kill all her enemies and so she uses the things that are within her sphere of influence so those domestic related things yeah, so I got that. food and poison yeah. and clothing and all of that stuff yeah. and, and, and the children and so she acts out her plan and yeah. then she gets away with it at the end and as kind of as evil as we might see her plan is I think there's a part of us where it's like good for you like you you got away with it. Like, oh, I don't know. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that. It's just that, you know, that really kind of bucks tradition. Like the standard reception of this is, you know, the, oh my God, like yes. she got away and then you throw it down and you say, that can't be the rest of the play. There's got to be another 300 lines around here somewhere <laughs> where the Calvary shows up, right? Or Jason manages to somehow intercept her or whatever, but it, it doesn't happen because it was never written, right? It's it's just not meant to. I think, and you're left with that sort of feeling of the, the fact that she can escape. I think Medea is one of those um, characters on those TV shows that we watch today that we love to hate. And oh, yeah. they're, they're not above board. Like I'm thinking of House of Cards here because, mm-hmm. as you know, I'm doing some work on that. But um, they're... They're not above board, and you kind of don't want to like them, but then you find yourself rooting for them anyway. Yeah. And so I think that that's where Medea is, is that just that she's so complex, and she does these things, and the things don't sit well with us. Yes. But at the same time, we're kind of like a modern audience, right? Like, that's how I'm dealing with this here. Um, 
you know, you, you kind of got to be like, good for you. You know, you got out under his thumb. You did what you needed to do and you're, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're going on. But certainly an ancient audience would be absolutely horrified. And so that's why she she becomes of such, yeah. yeah. And and as we were saying at the beginning, yeah. um, you know, she is this witch and she is this, you know, yeah. this, this really evil figure. Mm-hmm. And she still gets trotted out from time to time as an evil figure. Yeah. Um, I still find a great deal of pathos with Medea, though. Like, a great deal of... She's a suffering character, someone that we can sympathize yes, with. Yes. And so that sort of offsets uh, that sort of, you know, the fury yeah. that you might feel. Yeah, and that's know? what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you, you, you see that um, very early on. And, 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 I, and I think that um, the murder of the children is something that is overemphasized. Definitely. But, uh, the, you know, the... The ideas in the beginning focus passage about rescue and about reciprocity, and about uh, tying it to what had happened in the during the Argonautica, uh, during the quest for the Golden Fleece, and the palace intrigues uh, at Iolcus with Peleus and the daughters, um, and the fact that she is um, basing her, you know, her, her decision to move forward in a plot against her husband we don't really know what it is to be honest and neither does Medea when you read the play she doesn't really know what she wants to do right away until the proper thing presents itself at the proper time yes yeah. and speaking of time <laughs> we I think are running out of time for okay. this for this episode oh, I had so... a bunch of things to say about the beacon of safety but I won't oh okay that. well you know what we will yeah. revisit Medea because okay. there are lots of good chunks in this play and okay. I think it's something that people will want to hear more about All right. um, but we have probably well hopefully we haven't bored anybody yeah. but um, we're going to wrap it up for there for today absolutely and we will be back with another chunk of myth um, at some schedule we will eventually determine so I am I'm Darren Sundstrom, and my Twitter uh, handle is at Darren Sundstrom. And I'm Allison Innes, and my Twitter handle is at Innes Allison, I-N-N-E-S-A-L-I-S-O-N. Yeah. Um, so feel free to tweet at us your thoughts, your suggestions. Maybe you have a hero or a play or poem that you really want us to look at. So thanks for joining us today, and we will that's, see you next time. That's all, folks.